The People's Constitution, the path to empowerment of Australians in a 21st century democracy by Bronwyn Kelly. Read by Bronwyn Kelly. Chapter 5, Part 4. Checking that the value set will help Australians build the society they want. Having lined these values up, as I have in the previous section, we might imagine that a nation that succeeds in enshrining these as values we truly and freely share, but also succeeds in creating a governance system conducive to living these values, would be an amazing place to live. It would be a place full of positive hope for everyone. But just to check that this is the sort of national character, the societal value set, that will best serve our shared purpose of building the future we might really want, we could imagine this character in reverse. We could imagine what our future would look like if we don't select these values. This reverse imagining is always a useful exercise in helping people select preferred values because it so quickly reveals the direction in which nations will travel if they fail to commit to these values or adopt an opposite value set and character. In the written text of the book, I set out a table that juxtaposes the probable preferred values of Australians with their antithesis. The table was provided to help Australians in discussion to confirm their preferred national character, one we might coalesce around in a preamble to the first People's Constitution. I and my editor will now read that table. I will read the left-hand side, which expresses the probable preferred values of the nation, and my editor, David Kelly, will read the right-hand side, which expresses what the focus of our society would be if we reversed these probable values. Reading the left-hand side, the probable preferred value of Australians is peace. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards war and militarism in the civil space. The probable preferred value of Australians is honesty, integrity and ethics in all relationships, in governance and in corporate responsibility. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards unethical behaviour, particularly damaging in lawmaking, and towards enabling corporate theft, corruption in governance, private and public, entrenchment of the secret state, and collapse of trust in parliaments, executive governance and democracy itself. The probable preferred value of Australians is safety, security and stability. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards destabilisation and exposure to risk, particularly climate and economic risk. It would also be towards exposure to political instability and exposure to domestic, civil and international violence. The probable preferred value of Australians is open democracy where laws and policies serve the public interest. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards secrecy and inaccessibility to vital information and towards laws which serve sectional interests. The probable preferred value of Australians is universal human rights. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards autocracy, tyranny, 
or at the very least, reduced participation in democracy, denial of freedoms, denial of human dignity, and denial by governments of their obligation to protect human rights. The probable preferred value of Australians is social harmony and appreciation of diversity. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards a restoration of white Australia and economic decline due to a failure to capitalise fully on diversity. It would also be towards civil unrest, driven by narrow and divisive ideologies. The probable preferred value of Australians is First Nations, meaning Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, including their culture, heritage and well-being, reconciliation with First Nations, truth-telling, treaty and recognition of the centrality of their role in both nationhood and our survival on this continent, the sovereignty of First Nations, their ancestral tie to the land, and the coexistence of that sovereignty with that of all Australians, and the right of First Nations to a voice in the Constitution. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards a restoration of white Australia, including cultural and physical decimation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, continued immaturity in the national character, continued denial of the legal and ethical faults in the nation's founding, continued injustice for the theft of a continent and stolen generations, continued denial of the possibility of a coexistence of sovereignties, a refusal of reconciliation and recognition, and a denial of the right of Indigenous Australians to a voice in the Constitution. The probable preferred value of Australians is equality and egalitarianism for genders, ages, races and those of diverse sexual orientation, disability, national and ethnic origin, religious persuasion and wealth. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards a restoration of stratified authoritarianism, particularly white male-dominated and religious patriarchy. Wealth for the few, not for the many, and rights for some, not for all. The probable preferred value of Australians is well-being for all. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards well-being for some or none. The probable preferred value of Australians is benevolence and compassion. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards cruelty. The probable preferred value of Australians is equal opportunity for all. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards discrimination, increasing inequality, and the fair go for some, not all. The probable preferred value of Australians is social justice, meaning fair outcomes for all, fair sharing of national wealth, fair sharing of the burden and benefit of taxation, fair access to services and equality before the law. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards inequality in distribution of burden and benefits, inequality before the law, and denial of human rights, particularly economic, social and cultural rights. The probable preferred value of Australians is freedom, particularly freedom of speech, expression, information, peaceful assembly and association, protest, choice in life, path and partner, travel, belief, 
religion, secularity and atheism, political communication, freedom of the press and freedom from discrimination, unlawful or arbitrary detention, political persecution, fear and want. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards forbidding self-expression, access to information, association and assembly, protest, travel, positive contributions to a better future, a choice on what to read, study and where to work, a choice on who we love and a choice in what we believe. The focus will also be towards embedding discrimination, unjust detention and trial in secret as opposed to open court, engendering fear and withholding the necessities of life including food, shelter and connection. The probable preferred value of Australians is expansion of the mind and human creative capacity, that is, education valued for its own sake and information access that is unobstructed. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards insularity, narrowness of thought, suppression of creativity, inhumanity and susceptibility to fake news. The probable preferred value of Australians is scientific intelligence and research capacity. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards denial of facts, susceptibility to misinformation, economic contraction, shorter life expectancy, poorer health and unchecked climate change. The probable preferred value of Australians is resilience, meaning preparedness for crises and an ability to overcome challenges and setbacks without social breakdown or an increase in inequality. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards survival of the fittest, development of a dog-eat-dog value set, rejection of long-term planning in favour of short-term interest, complacency and reliance on luck. The probable preferred value of Australians is protection of the natural environment. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards unsustainable resource exploitation, attendant economic collapse and loss of connection to the land. The probable preferred value of Australians is the planet, its ecosystems and species diversity for their own sake, not just for human benefit, but in recognition of the essential interdependency of all living things. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards climate disaster, potential species annihilation, including human and civilization extinction. The probable preferred value of Australians is future generations and intergenerational equity. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards destruction of the future of our children. The probable preferred value of Australians is A human-centred and environmentally sustainable economy, one that works for rather than debases people, and one that conserves scarce natural and human resources and maximises the efficiency of labour. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards abdication of the responsibility to establish a sustainable economy. It would also be towards preferring an economic structure that is inherently incapable of delivering our preferred quality of life and necessary well-being. In other words, it would be towards preferring a neoliberal economic strategy that has been proven to be unsustainable 
has diverted wealth away from the poorest towards the rich and has unnecessarily imposed involuntary unemployment and austerity. The focus would be towards an economy that debases people, squanders and destroys scarce natural and human resources and minimises the efficiency of labour. The probable preferred value of Australians is meaningful and fulfilling work. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards drudgery, a life unfulfilled, declining productivity, abdication of the responsibility to ensure full employment and abdication of responsibility for the economic restructuring that will be required as technology and artificial intelligence replace human labour. The probable preferred value of Australians is the contributions and dignity of everyone, regardless of employment status, disability and working life stage. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards devaluation of unpaid working age contributions, such as households caring for children, the aged and the disabled. Devaluation of the unemployed and other welfare sector funded citizens, such as aged pensioners. Disregard of the importance of demand from this sector as a source of stimulus for a thriving and sustainable economy. And devaluation of certain essential occupations, including nursing, aged care, child care, cleaning and teaching. The probable preferred value of Australians is fairness and ethics in foreign and domestic trade and finance. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards global economic inequality, upon which would follow global economic decline. The probable preferred value of Australians is decency, humanity, cooperation and integrity in our international citizenry. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards mass population displacement instead of growth and the sustainability of developing nations, inhumanity in treatment of refugees, and cessation of cooperative research. The probable preferred value of Australians is independence in national sovereignty. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards dependence on unreliable alliances, conscription to the imperial aims of global powers, accession to other nations' wars, and exposure of the home front to inadequate defence. The focus would also be towards isolating Australia from connection with the Asian region and surrender of sovereignty. And lastly, the probable preferred value of Australians is self-determination through a voice in our own governance. If we reverse that, the focus would be towards autocracy, denying the participation of Australians in their own democracy. Reinstatement of autocratic governance characteristic of the Hobbesian modern state. Loss of control by the people over their future. And finally, the focus would be towards driving people to despair and either self-destruction or aggression or both. Chapter 5, Part 5. Choices Between Value Sets. In the 2020s, Australians still have complete freedom in their choice of values. However, they have not yet been offered a decent, accessible discussion framework to help them organise their choices and form a coherent value statement. The framework I and my editor have just read 
requires them to imagine the future that will be delivered if they choose to adopt a value set that is, shall we say, unsupported by the evidence of our responses in surveys and commentary about our preferred values over recent decades. This framework is quite easy to use in the discussions we need about Australian values. It also has the advantage of displaying that our choice of a coherent value set is really only governed by one thing, our preferred future. It is not governed by what governments may prefer, at least not yet. Nevertheless, there is one practical limitation on our choices that we should be aware of, and that is that this is an all-or-none choice. In explanation of that, I will start with an observation about the probability of Australians choosing to support the values on the left-hand side of the table, which I read, versus those on the right-hand side that David read. Were Australians to be offered a choice between the values on the left and right-hand sides of the table, it would be a surprise, indeed a big surprise, given the results of the studies I have cited, if a majority of Australians were to choose the values on the right-hand side. Doubtless aspects of the values on the right-hand side would be preferred by extreme nationalists, racists, multinational corporations, empire builders, despotic and secretive regimes or individuals obsessed with control and or neoliberal economic hegemony, policymakers preferring war to diplomacy or aggression rather than respect for the sovereignty of other nations, and other intensely power-hungry people fearful of other humans or nations. Certainly, anyone favouring all the values on the right-hand side ought to be considered unfit for public office, inasmuch as that sort of intense, uncompromising focus is fully antipathetic to civil society and humanity per se. Save for a few characteristic values which post-date Nazi Germany, such as planetary exposure to climate change, the right-hand side of the table approximates the character of Hitler. Moreover, if we consider these two very different profiles, it becomes obvious that we can't cherry-pick from each side to compose a character for the nation that might reconcile different preferences. This is because each value on the left-hand side depends for its effectiveness on all the other values on the left-hand side. Take one out and replace it with its opposite on the right-hand side and suddenly the national character will lose its cohesion and stability. The nation will take on a split personality disorder and will start operating at cross-purposes to itself. It would never be safe to assume, for instance, that we could replace a value of peace with a value of war and still assume that our open democracy freedoms and desired ethics in a truthful government would be assured. Truth is the first casualty of war, followed immediately by the loss of free speech rights and a general conscription of the public and the media to secrecy. In another example, adoption of a value favouring clampdowns on free speech would endanger expansion of our minds and our human capacity. Cherry-picking from both sides of the table is clearly impracticable. The two sides of this table are therefore mutually exclusive, both in their individually aligned components and in their entirety.
The choice set out in the table is an all or none choice. This should make the design of a new Australian value statement easier rather than harder, but the fact that it is an all or none choice will certainly be annoying for some. It will be very annoying for those preferring values on the right-hand side. Still, it is probably a choice that modern nations, pushed as they have been so close to potential extinction, will need to make, and soon. It encapsulates the choice that nations must make as we attempt to ensure continuation of life on the planet. Noam Chomsky has spoken of this as an urgent choice, arising from our having developed nuclear technology and technological approaches to industry to a level that is lethal for our species. He asserts that, quote, a dread gap now obtains between our technical capacity to destroy ourselves and our moral capacity to control this impulse, unquote. And he further asserts that this gap can only be closed by finding a way to, quote, use our capacities for thought in an arena of rational discourse, unquote. Chomsky suggests that it might be an inherent feature of higher intelligence that the tendency towards self-annihilation through technology will triumph over a species' moral capacity to prevent it. He says, quote, In the last few years, a new concern has been added, the deterioration of the arena of rational discourse, which is all too apparent. Unless we use our capacities for thought in an arena of rational discourse, there is no hope of closing the dread gap in time to save ourselves. Unquote. But in 2022, rational discourse is still an available option, as is the capacity to understand which choices are rational and which are not. A rational, life-affirming discourse is readily apparent on the left-hand side of the table we have just read. The right-hand side represents the self-destructive impulse and is therefore irrational. The choice is neither complicated nor too subtle for straightforward interpretation. It is stark. In that regard, the moral capacity to prevent our own destruction is fully accessible, and in choosing the socially oriented values that they have favoured in the above-mentioned surveys and vast amounts of other commentary, Australians are demonstrating that they are actively using that moral capacity. Our apparent gravitation to human-centric values is shaping a morality that can drive us towards self-preservation rather than self-destruction. Of course, given the noise created by those who lean towards the values on the right-hand side of the table, the warmongers, climate change deniers, the corporately irresponsible, the politically craven, those who reject equality and the power mad, it is evident that Australians in the main, especially if they are in an older generation, do not currently think that the value set they prefer as individuals is the same as the set they assume is preferred by the majority. As I have already indicated, they have a perception that the national value set has changed for the worse or into something they personally admire less and that they are a minority in their own land when it comes to values they wish to be able to share with other Australians in the future. They have a perception that 
we're becoming more selfish, less communally minded and fundamentally changed as a country. And in the overwhelming majority, regardless of age differences, they feel negative about that. Where the older and younger generations differ is in determining the cause of the change. Based on the findings of the Havis Lab study, older generations, it would seem, tend to attribute the perceived increase in selfishness to migrants. Some older people seem to harbour a sense that they are not getting a fair go because of migrants, and that disorder is on the land because the rule of law is not observed by newcomers, meaning migrants and the young. By contrast, younger generations and newcomers, as you'd expect, do not see themselves as the problem. They see themselves as posing no challenge to the rule of law and orderly society and are instead simply choosing to solve the problems of the future by intelligence, especially in climate science, and also by creativity, hard work and access to social justice. Looking deep into the results in the above studies reveals that the pervasive perception that Australians have become more selfish and less communally minded has little, if any, basis in reality. It is simply a perception that is the inevitable product of a discourse that has been designed since 2001 to drive wedges into the society for political gain. A discourse which propagates fear of the other, a discourse which is very easy to promote when the world itself has so obviously become a much more dangerous place. A discourse which encourages us to blame each other rather than those we elect. To some extent, with older generations, it has been convincing. But the evidence is that it is not finding a mark beyond that. While the majority of Australians might assume that the nation subscribes, for better or worse, to the traditional Aussie value set based more on nationalism, mateship and celebration of war heroism and death, the evidence according to Havis Labs is that this value set is facing potential extinction and that, quote, in a few short years, Australia could be seeing nationalism, tradition and mateship receding in favour of a more intellectual, sustainable, progressive mindset which favours arts and culture, unquote. If Havis Labs is right, and Australians really do lament the rise of a value set that is more selfish and less communally minded, and that they are looking forward to a future caring for the environment and our fellow Aussies dialling up the fair go, and this time for all, not just for some, then it is quite likely that Australians will converge towards the values on the left-hand side of the above table. It is highly likely they will speak and act rationally, consistent with a desire to survive and flourish, but only if they are given efficient mechanisms and processes they can use to ensure that a rational discourse, a coherent, life-oriented voice, prevails over irrational, divisive noise. Unless the Australian people are armed with this access to a rational discourse, it will not be possible for a human-centred morality to emerge as their new prevailing value set, one in which the values of the nation and individuals are once more aligned, as they will absolutely need to be if we are to survive. A people's constitution needs to be designed to enshrine those mechanisms and processes. 
This is the only efficient means by which we can establish a well-functioning democracy. In the final section of this chapter, and in Chapter 7, I will discuss the practical means of enshrining those mechanisms and processes in Australia's constitution. But before that, it is necessary to consider whether Australians will need to affirm values which may be essential to the future, but which have not yet fully emerged into common discourse. In other words, we've not been asked about them in surveys, or they have not yet begun to occupy much space in news and social media. If we are to build a constitution that has sufficient capacity to help us chart a preferred course to the future, and to be nationally resilient, that is, better prepared for crises and the unforeseen than we are now, then some anticipation of values that may need to be developed and included because they're essential to an ongoing resilience is advisable. There is no crystal ball on what these values might be. But if we start with the values in the left-hand side of the table, we can interrogate these to see where there might be gaps we can fill in an ongoing discourse that will enable us to concur on what we value and keep the national value set in alignment with the values of the people. Getting an alignment between the national and personal values is an important ingredient for resilience. I am, of course, discarding the right-hand side of the table that David and I have just read because it is extremely unlikely that it could approximate what Australians value in the majority, either for the nation or personally. It is fundamentally irrational because it is destructive of life quality and life itself. On the left-hand side, though, there are really only a few values which are not all that prominent in our rational discourse to date. They are... 1. Meaningful and fulfilling work. 2. The contributions and dignity of everyone, regardless of employment status, disability and working life stage. 3. Universal human rights. 4. Independence in national sovereignty. and 5. Self-determination through a voice in our own governance. We don't talk about these much yet in mainstream media, although acknowledgement of the need to value the contributions and dignity of everyone has been increasing due to the rise in discussion about gender equality. Clampdowns on and breaches of human rights have also raised the topic of rights in the consciousness of Australians, leading to increasing discussions on the need for a bill or charter of rights. This is a topic I will explore in detail in Chapter 6. Overall, though, only two of these values are likely to be central to survival and indeed to the possible realisation of all the others. Those values are independence in national sovereignty and self-determination through a voice in our own governance. The next sections, therefore, set out the need for inclusion of those values in a rational discourse.